who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. break your daily podcast for the biggest storylines results and controversies from the tennis world today is thursday march 25th when i say that i just want to clarify that means on today's podcast we're talking about the matches that happened in miami on thursday march 25th of course i am located on the east coast of the united states that means all of the miami matches happening throughout the day for me play concluded i think what 10 30 11 p.m here on the east coast tonight that is why this podcast is coming to you all Friday morning, but again, we are recapping all of Thursday's matches here in Miami because that's where all of our attention is right now as tennis fans. So many of the top players in the world descending to Miami for the first year's first simultaneous men's and women's 1,000 level event. Of course, we've got 19 of the top 20 women in the field, and we saw some of those top women flex their guns in today's matches. And you know, that is really the storyline I'm going to cover most on today's show. It feels like it's almost become normalized. So many of these near upsets, so much of the parody we see week in, week out, day in, day out, match in, match out, really, on the WTA Tour. And I believe... All of our top 10 seeds in action today dropped a set, and we're on the precipice of being eliminated from today's tournament. You had Ashley Barty fighting off match points, Arena Sabalenka fighting off match points, both Alina Svitolina and Simona Halep dropping their first sets in their matches, and just across the board, fantastic tennis from start to finish on the women's side. Of course, on the men's side was a great day for American men's tennis as American men go four and one in their round of 128 matches of course we continue to have fascinating performances from so many of the young stars emerging on the ATP tour as well I want to talk about all of those results today preview a little bit of Friday's action of course as well and the reason I'm able to do that day in day out here on the mini break podcast because of the support we get from all of you listeners from our Patreon family and by the way as we get into today's podcast or I should 
should say before we get into today's podcast, I want to give a shout out to our newest patron, John, who just signed up to uh, as a $10 a month member, part of the perks of that membership. You get a shout out on the mini break podcast. So shout out to John. You should expect a welcome message from our Crack Rackets team to our Patreon family later on today. We are so grateful for your support, all of our patrons support. Again, thank you, patron John. And if you would like to support our Patreon team, you can find out how on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, I also have to give a shout out to our friends at Midwest Sports. You know the deal. Go to midwestsports.com. Use that promo code CR15. And then, of course, want to give a shout out to our friends at FanDuel. I've mentioned it all week long, but we all know March Madness, Sweet 16, this weekend, Michigan Wolverines going to be in action. So many other teams across the country in action as well. If you want a chance to take advantage of the 30-to-1 money line odds being offered right now on any team still alive in the Sweet 16, you can do that with our friends at FanDuel. Here's how it works. You're going to go to FanDuel.com slash Cracked, bet $5 on any of the Sweet 16 teams to win their game outright and if they succeed you'll profit with $150 that represents an unbelievable 30 to 1 odds boost made available after you make your initial deposits. New users can unlock this offer now by going to FanDuel.com slash Cracked. Again it's FanDuel.com slash C-R-A-C-K-E-D Once you win that first bet, again $150 to play with for the rest of this Miami Open. That sounds like a victory to me. So again, fanduel.com slash crack to take advantage of that offer. With that in mind, again, just going to be me steering the ship today. We've had so many fantastic guests of late across our Crack Rackets podcast. Matt Stokowiak, Chris Haliores joining us for the College Tennis Recap. David Gertler for some ATP Challenger Tour talk. We also had Ben Rothenberg this week on the Mini Break podcast for a first third review. Max Rothman for a little gambling preview of all things Miami Open. And so, you know, we're rocking and rolling here. We have Daily Show correspondent Mike Costa, who's also a former University of Illinois standout player on the Cracked Interviews podcast. If you've missed any of that action, you can find it all on our website, crackrackets.com. But on today's podcast, I got to get to my roots. I want to talk about these tennis. And I will say the original plan was to have Rothman back on today. And literally, as we were starting to hit record, we lost power here in Indianapolis. Some rain, some wind knocking that out. Now, I'm still able to record. And of course, we're going to get a podcast to all of you listeners first thing in the morning. But that is also part of the reason it's just me steering the ship. I will mention the bets Rothman and I had in mind heading into tomorrow's action since we were going to talk about that, but not going to go as far in deep. A, I don't want my laptop to die. B, again, uh, you know, you guys hear enough of my voice. So let's talk about the tennis we saw on Thursday because certainly we saw a lot of fascinating matches. Let's start on the women's side where, again, both Simona Halep and Ashley Barty faced match points, and they were two very, very different matches. I'll start with the Barty one since we've talked so much Sabalenka over these past few months here on the mini break program. Simply put, Ashley Barty played a really tentative match against her opponent, Christina Kutsova, and I, I wish I had the full tennis abstract breakdown on Kutsova. Again, I don't want my laptop to die on me, so I can't overwhelm you all with stats today. If you haven't seen her play, 
two hands on both wings from the ground, and that threw Barty for a loop throughout this match. Her two-handed forehand, it allows her to disguise everything she wants to do. You don't know. Is she going cross-court? Is she going down the line? Short angle. She hits these ridiculous, almost inside-out, two-handed forehand slice slices, these drop shots. She's got really good feel on the backhand wing as well, but as the match progressed, Ashley Barty became afraid of the Kutsova forehand wing, and you know Kutsova did such a good job playing with variety, such a good job of, you know, Ashley Barty doesn't have overwhelming power. She wants to move you around the court, open up space, move forward, and, you know, lull you to sleep with her slice as well. And Kutsova dished it right back with her variety. It was so impressive throughout the match. And again, for Ashley Barty, uh, it's her first match outside of Australia since the 2019 season. And, you know, you can see that rust still in her game. She was so tentative. Uh, in the third set, ended up going down 5-2 in the third, uh, but then ended up roaring her way back, fought off the match point she faced with an inside-in forehand down-the-line return winner on just a bunny of a Kutsova second serve, and then, you know, she did a really, really disciplined job down the home stretch of that third set of targeting the Kutsova backhand wing and just making the match as physical as possible and not pulling the trigger too soon, being patient, but when the opportunity presented itself, going down the line, following that ball forward. I thought she served fairly well. She started swinging through her backhand a little bit more also. You know, Kutsova two hands on both wings, the slices, she makes you uncomfortable, and Barty did a good job of handling that discomfort, making adjustments, and again, there's going to be at least one match in every tournament where you don't play your best if you go on to win the title. Hopefully for Barty, that match was today, but given the lack of match play she has over the past 52 weeks, over the past 15 months, really, you can understand the rust, and, you know, she's got a lot on the line here. If she doesn't make the finals, she loses her number one ranking, and certainly she has hasn't played that much these past 15 months, and I'm sure she's still going to be plenty confident regardless of what the number is on her name in the rankings list, but I mean, it was rusty. You know, the overwhelming part power for Barty, that was never her game. Her game is so uh, predicated on timing, on rhythm, on feel, on just, you know, again, being confident as she doesn't have a lot of matches under her belt. Those are the things she'll be lacking the most. And still, she was able to find her rhythm, able to move the ball around the court, made enough first serves, was really good on her first serve points, took advantage of the Kutseva second serve points. Ashley Bard advances to the round of 32 today. She, uh, again, with the 6-3-4-6-7-5 win over the impressive, dangerous Christina Kutseva. Let's move now to Sabalenka since she faced match points today. I mean, Sabalenka going to Sabalenka. There were, she lost the first set 6 0 in about 25 minutes and she looked horrible. She couldn't, a rally couldn't extend beyond five, six balls. And look, she was injured. She was banged up. It was clear she was hurting physically. She called for a medical timeout in the third set. Uh, but she found her rhythm in the match when she needed to. I mean, she raced through that second set fairly comfortably, and then in the third, goes down 1-2, uh, break of serve, breaks back immediately for— or, excuse me, goes down 2-0, break of serve, breaks back immediately for— or, no, no, it was, goes down 2-1, breaks back immediately for 2-all, gets broken again— uh, 
Prankova then goes up 40 love in her service game 4-2. Sabalenka hits some incredible shots to get it back to 40-30 before missing a terrible ball in the net to lose the game and then goes down 5-2 but you know doesn't face a match point until the tiebreaker where you know because Sabalenka just when she clicks, when she's able to land her returns in the court, she can hit a gear again. She's in the Serena Williams power tennis neighborhood. And, you know, it's frustrating. And she took an injury timeout at that five, uh, was it the four? I think when she went down 4-1, or no, when she went down 4-2, I believe, before her service game in the third set on her thigh and her shoulder was hurting her, all of these different things. But, you know, again, she goes down match points uh, in the breaker. She hits this ridiculous, ridiculous backhand down the line winner to fight one of them off. She just has this overwhelming power. And Parankova did a great job because Parankova was managing her own physical issues as well. And yet she still managed to, you know, make enough balls in the court and get Sabalenka to the outer thirds, execute on her own first serve to really make this a match. But, you know, this result had had everything to do with the fluctuations in Rina Sabalenka's level, which, of course, are the story of her career. We all know when it's good for Sabalenka, it looks really, really good. Case in point, the 16-match winning streak or whatever she ripped off to end last season, start this year when she won Abu Dhabi. But there are a lot of inconsistencies, and a lot of it has to do with mental, uh, you know, her losing her focus within matches. Sometimes it has to do with her getting frustrated with herself. Uh, The tennis skill and the skill set and the power and her sneaky good feel, her good hands at the net. She is a number one doubles player in the world, her serve. She can do all the things you need to do to to win slams. It's just clear, again, that she needs to put all of the pieces together. It was ugly, but she got the job done, was able to focus, able to just muster enough physically to advance to the round of 32. Your two other three-set matches, different uh, matches in their complex entirely. The Alina Svitolina shelby Rogers match, is the match I wanted to lead this podcast with. You just can't win, you know, both Barty and Sabalenka fight off match points. But the Svitolina Rogers match was the best thing I saw today. The quality of play was tremendously high. Shelby Rogers by Tennis Abstracts, ELO ratings by her results, U.S. Open quarterfinals, strong start to her season in Australia as well this year. She's been a top 30 player in the world. And of course, her serve, her forehand are what make her special. It doesn't matter the opponent. When she's clicking with those two shots, she can hit through anyone. And this was just a fascinating contrast in style because Svitolina is the opposite of that, right? She's the counterpuncher. She is the perennial athlete on the court who is going to absorb your power, redirect it, move you around the court, go down the line, go behind you, make enough serves, get on top of her turns with her athleticism, and just put pressure on you and Rogers responded to that pressure so well through the first set and three quarters of this match she was you know she wins that first set 6-3 they trade breaks early on but then she gets the break hold serve she was so good on first serve actually really good in the outer thirds of the court as well going down the line off of both wings taking time and space wins Fidelina would be six feet behind the baseline but Man, did Svitolina play well today. And I know her results haven't been the prettiest, but I actually think she's played some really good tennis to start this year. She looks fit as a fiddle. She moved the ball around the court so well. And these courts in Miami are playing slow. It's really hard to hit through them. And Shelby Rogers has the power to hit through any court, but that extra half second it gave Svitolina, she just did such a good job of never hitting more than 
three balls in a row in the same direction and you know keeping Rodgers off her toes by taking returns early and going big down the line and you know playing some aggressive tennis herself and moving forward and just again there were 10 15 ball rallies throughout the course of this match it wasn't just plus one tennis there was plenty of plus one action there were plenty of first ball errors but this match got physical and it led to some really fun tennis Fidelina plays really well she advances to the round of 32 uh again I don't want to take anything away from Shelby Rogers she by you know I think her rankings right now she's inside the top 50 I think she's like 46 ish again I apologize I don't have the stats in front of me because again I'm recording this without power here at Cracked Rackets headquarters but she has been that good. She has a dominant first serve. She has the weapons to beat anyone, and she's as fit as she has ever been in her career right now. So uh, this was a fantastic match. And then, you know, in terms of the Simona Halep match, someone wants to say, what was the injury timeout she took in the second set? She then rips off, what was it, like five of the next six games or, you know, what was it? I think nine of the final 11 games in the match. She seemed to really just wear Hal, uh, Garcia down, her opponent, who she beats 3-6-6-4-6 love today. Two things. A, Simona Halep also hasn't played a match since Australia. Let's keep that in mind. And she didn't play that much tennis to end last season. B, Caroline Garcia put a lot of pressure on her. And again, an injury timeout's an injury timeout. It's the rules. Like, you don't need to... You don't need to prove via an x-ray, yes, I am absolutely injured. Please, let's stop this match. And so I don't know why people get angry about those sorts of things. Is it the most sportsmanlike thing to do? No, it's not. But guess what? It's sports. And there's going to be sports, uh, a little gamesmanship in every sport, in every athletic competition. Tennis going to be no different. Again, Simona Halep, fantastic victory. I said, or not fantastic, but find her way. Three six six four six love to advance in terms of your other seeded results who is the best individual player today Petra Kvitova dominant performance 0-4 over Alize Cornet to start the match she has that look folks where she could uh, just rip through this event Veronica Kudermatova 6-3-6-2 win over Danielle Collins it was a really really quality performance for her I keep saying it because Danielle Collins was so great in Australia right I think she made a semi-final a quarter-final maybe even a final as well at the non-Australian Open events but Veronica Kudermatova, she's athletic. She can drive through the court. She hits flat balls, but she's willing to move forward as well. She's just really, really good, and that's a really good victory for her. was a great victory for Sevastova, who played a really shady first, shoddy, shoddy, not shady, sorry, shoddy first set, but comes back and just kind of hits through Coco Goff, 1-6-6-2-6-3. Von Drusova advances in straight sets. Sviantek, really impressive 4-2 win over Dubai finalist Barbara Krechikova. Uh, Angelique Kerber, fifth 0-0 win of her career over Renata Zarazua today. Just a quick note for everyone. Vika Azarenka, the current leader uh, amongst all players, as she has 10 0-0 victories in her career. Serena's got seven. Kerber's got five. I believe Osaka's got four, just for fun fact. Federer, two, uh, but he's won two straight 0-0 sets at the majors. Djokovic has one. Uh, Nadal doesn't have any, but again, he's done it a couple times where he's won two sets 0-0 at the majors. Your other results on the day, Ostapenko, a three-set win. Kanta, a three-set win. Alexandrova, straights over Podoroska. Bencic, straights over Diaz. And then Anaconya, 
First win at the 1,000 level since 2018. She, the former world junior number one, junior slam champion, has dealt with so many injuries. She finally looks like she is healthy now. She's not quite as match fit, I think, as she's going to be as she continues to work her way back into form. But, I mean, the contact point, the talent, her backhand, everything about her backhand, ability to move down the line, uh, her timing. It's When she can set her feet... The talent is so evident, and she showed it off today. Four and two victory over Madison Keys, who similar deal, by the way, still trying to find her rhythm with her movement, her footwork, which are the things that go away the most when you haven't played matches in quite a bit of time. But I mean, Konya matched her shot for shot. Again, if you give Konya time to set, she's going to move the ball around the court. Her backhand down the line, in particular, was so impressive. But it was a fantastic day of women's results overall, and. Again, I suppose that kind of sets the tone for the men's results we saw today. And, you know, you look across the board. We were still at the round of 128 for the men today. But we did have some fantastic results I want to talk about quickly. Not going to spend quite as long on them as I did on the women, mostly because I don't want my computer to die on me too quickly. But you look up and down the board. The most impressive performer for me today, Sebastian Corda, who has been outstanding since August. You look, uh, you know, I, I don't think saying he's good is going to be a revelation to anyone. 27-8 and eight since August. First ATP final, first two challenger titles of his career, Roland Garros fourth round. Uh, tonight was the first time I looked at him and I thought, oh, my God. There's a guy who might win a Grand Slam one day. It looked like he was playing a different sport than Redu Elbot at times, and you just look you know, for him at the numbers, and I can pull them up just quickly. Made 73% of his first serves, was 38 of 52 on service points, saved all five break points. He faced one over 50% of his return points. He just dominated Elbot today, who didn't have a weapon to hurt him. Korda's movement continues to get better. It reminds me of young Pass, where it was just like, yeah, the Movement's not incredible, but it's never going to be an issue for him. And with his size, his length, his ability to absorb and redirect powers, Sebastian Corda is special, folks. So is Lorenzo Musetti, who played the most entertaining match on the men's side of the day. 4-4 four and four win over fellow superstar athlete Michael Moe. And I mean, the amount of athleticism Musetti and Moe brought to this court was phenomenal. And they both play a little passive, so that did lead to more prolonged than, uh, rallies than perhaps needed. Uh, but it was just phenomenal tennis up and down the board. I actually think you can see Michael Moe is really trying to work into turning his forehand into a weapon, but Musetti tracked everything down, and he's so good when he's 6 feet, 12 feet behind the baseline. He has that sort of speed coordination. Now, the forehand does sit short for him. It's very attackable, and as he plays, you know, the Rublevs of the world, the the Tsitsipas of the world, just the the top 30 guys of the world who, if you leave a sitter in the center of the court, they attack and the point is over. That may be an issue for him, particularly on hard courts. But with his variety, his speed, his ability to drive through that backhand, play slice, incorporate the drop shot on his forehand wing, his comfort moving forward. You know, he's not the biggest guy, but he's six foot, six one. He can do a little bit of everything so quick, so Again, proficient, such a great skill set, one of the many young up-and-coming stars. We did a whole next-gen podcast on him, but every match he plays— 
continues to confirm how good he is. I thought it was a great performance for Daniel Galan today. Three and four win over Sabathville. Galan, what, only 22, 23 years old, and a lot of his success of late have come on the hard courts, but... That forehand's just a weapon, folks. And again, these courts are playing slow, so he's got a lot of time to run around that ball, hit that forehand here in Miami. He did so with tons of success here today. Uh, your other winners on the day, and I'm just going to roll through these fairly quickly. I thought Kakanakis looked great. I thought Bjorn Fertangelo's level continued uh, from Cleveland. He gets a win over Verdasco for Kokonakis straight sets over Machizuki. You know, Kakushkin, it was so unfortunate what happened to young British rising star Jack Draper today just you know, struggled with the heat in Miami, so Kakushkin advances. Ivashka Kwan was a fun match. Ivashka fighting off match points to advance. Jordan Thompson win over Delbanis. Uchiyama over Caruso. Chilich over Correa. Kasmenovich over Brody. And then Zoomher over Anderson in straights. Your last one was Tennis Sandgren, who got a win when Pedro Martinez Portero retired down a set in a break. You also had a win from Badene. Shout out to him. But Wanted to give my final shout-out to Dennis Kudla, who I said, I think, on yesterday's podcast with Max Rothman. I just had this sneaky suspicion Chardy was a good matchup for him. Chardy, not a guy who wants to play in the outer thirds, not a guy who makes a match creative, a guy who wants to, you know, take big cuts at the ball and, you know, go after his shots. And I just think that's a really good matchup for Dennis Kudla, who wants to make a match physical, who wants to absorb your power, redirect it, and, you know, take time and space away from you when you're overly aggressive and leave space open on the court. And he just played a really sound match today, knocking off Shardy 3-6-6, 3-6-4. And again, it's great to see Kudla, Fratangelo, that generation of Americans that I grew up hoping they would break through, become top 100 players, end the Roddick slump. Now, they're not going to be able to end the Roddick slam slump. Uh, Roddick slam slump, say that 100 times fast, but they are certainly, uh, I think, still have a lot of good tennis left in them. I think all of those guys, Jack Sock included, can be back in the top 100 if things break correctly for them. But those were your men's results at the Miami Open. In terms of tomorrow's matches, spectacular slate across the board. Obviously, a round of 64 play beginning for the men's. That means we're going to get to see a bunch of seeds in action. In terms of the highlights, I suppose your top seeds, Neil Medvedev, Alex Zverev in play against Randy Liu and Emil Rusevori. That Zverev-Rusevori match. I don't watch Zverev anymore. If I did, I'm going to watch it for Rusevori because that's going to be really exciting. I mean, up and down the board. Oh, but we're missing 31 of the top 100. The quality is just not going to be the same without the big three. Are you kidding me? Dubai finalist Lloyd Harris versus Doha finalist Roberto Bautista Agud and Dan Evans versus Francis Tiafo, Mackie Ma- McDonald versus John Isner. I already mentioned Zira Rusevori. If you're a college tennis fan, Hanifman versus Hachinov. You want to see how Yannick Sinner handles the creativity and junk of Hugo Gaston. You've got Opelka Popperin. If you want to see big serves and forehands, Giron versus Fritz, if you'd like an all-American battle. Up in, you know, Dimitrov Nori, another college tennis one, if you are a fan. FAA versus Air Bear, upset alert. Fantastic day of men's matches. Then, of course, it's even better for the women. You've got, uh, of course, some really fun ones. Stevens and Isimova, Jabour Badosa Jabir, Jennifer Brady versus Saripez Tormo, Tom Janovic versus Osaka. Of course, you've also Kanepi Rabakina. Hello. Uh, of course, you've got Mertens, Muguruza, Pliskova, Kanteve, Andrescu, Kennan making her return, Jennifer Brady, all in action on the day. 
So top to bottom should be a fantastic day of tennis. Now, of course, if you have missed anything that's happened over the past week, couple of weeks, months in the pro tennis world, and it really has been a revolving door, so much action week in, week out, a credit to the powers that be for making that happen in a pandemic time. But of course, we've done our best here at Crack Rackets to try to keep you all up to date on all things happening in the tennis world. Uh, of course, as always, if you have missed any of our content, you can find it all on our website, crackrackets.com. You need more immediate updates throughout the day. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You can follow us at Crack Rackets. You can follow me at Great Shot Pod. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com, use the promo code CR15, and remember to take advantage of FanDuel's limited time for the Sweet 16, 30 to 1 odds boost. Sign up with them now at FanDuel.com slash cracked. Like, rate, subscribe, review this show, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, where today uh, Daily Coat Show correspondent Michael Costa joins us. Of course, a ton of great shots pods throughout the week I already mentioned uh, but I wouldn't ask you to do that if it didn't help us out if it didn't help with the computers and we all know the computers are taking over someday so please go make the algorithms think good of us now before it's too late but with that in mind oh by the way I said I would mention this quickly and I don't want to welch on what I promised so just quickly the bets I like best tomorrow and I'm afraid if I talk them out loud it's going to curse them Uh, just quickly Bublik tomorrow, I kind of like him. I kind of like Opelka over Paparin, plus 148, 2 to win, 295. That's intriguing. Putin Seva over Stojanovic, Shabur over Badosha Jaber, Kanteve over Kirsteya, plus 150, 2 units to win 3. I very much like that. Some of the underdogs I like, Rabakina, plus 110 over Kanepi. When it clicks again for Rabakina, we'll all start to fall in love with her. Just remember that I never fell out of love. Uh, I already mentioned Air Bear, plus 160, money line over FAA, Harris plus 205 over RBA, Honifman plus 430 over Hatchinoff. Those are all interesting. In terms of the over, Popper and Opelka is going over 22 games. Harris versus RBA is probably going over 22 games. Those matches could go over three sets, I think, or over two sets. I think Garon Fritz over two and a half sets is a pretty good play as well. Just up and down the board, Mackey somehow a favorite, minus 142 over Isner. That's shocking to me, but also slightly appealing. So again, just up and down the board, a ton of great action. Should be another phenomenal day of tennis. Hopefully, if we are able to regain power someday here at Crack Rackets headquarters, I will have weekend podcasts for all of you. And of course, we've got a ton of fun college tennis action as well. Hoping to head to Champaign tomorrow. Again, assuming we regain power at some point here in the New York future but with that in mind for our wonderful super producers Fligder and Westoff our friends at Midwest Sports and FanDuel and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Struskin you know what we say that's the break and we'll see you all tomorrow thanks everyone